3, episode 14 of Effect. Frostbitten in the Beta Reach. Ooh. I'm Matthew. <laughs> and I'm Dave. And we've got... And you're chortling. <laughs> and I'm doing my... Uh, my uh, what the hell's his name? Uh, Kenneth, Will- Kenneth, Kenneth Williams impression. Oh, oh. Matron. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, and we've got a very busy program today. Despite all the horrible things that are going on around the world, um, that means that some of us can't get together as often as we would like to to game. We will hopefully warm the cockles of your heart with lots of good content. So we've got. Um, a bumper show, as always. We've got a couple of new patrons we'll have to say thank you to. Um, we've got quite a lot to talk about in the world of gaming. Um, Merc Bure, um, The One Ring, um, obviously all the pos- postponements of this, that, and everything else, and a interesting thing from a Trilemma Adventures, which we'll get to. Then I promised last time to talk a bit more about colony campaigns in alien role-playing game so i've done another little bit of uh another essay on that which we'll play a bit later on and then the key thing uh the main star of the show we've got our second interview with magnus theater the writer of the bitter reach um or the beta reach as it is at the moment and we'll play <laughs> the feature edition of the bitter reach yes and we'll play that interview to you at um at the end and i think that's pretty much our show for today. Anything I've missed? Saving my... the best till last, David, as always. Saving the best till last. Except for the bit before the be- the last bit. <laughs> uh, colony bit. No, no, no. We're saving the best till last. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's uh, get straight into it. Because one of the reasons um, why, uh, or one of the things we're doing, partly because of uh, the COVID-19 um, lockdown that many of us are facing at the moment is we're getting together uh, later on this uh, evening, afternoon, with uh, our patrons on. We're going to have a great big Zoom chat with everybody. So we need to finish in time to welcome them to that. And we've got two new patrons, uh, Stu Goff. Thank you, Stu. Excellent to see you. We must get him on. You know, he's just made, I think, probably the first Year Zero engine game that that is that's been kickstarted. He's just kickstarted that, so we should yes. get him on to talk about that at Com- some future episode. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And and Stu, honestly, you don't have to pay to come on here. You know, we're happy to talk to you. Yeah, but uh, we don't. But we don't. Also, we don't mind if you pay though either. <laughs> oh no! no yeah. Thank you very much for contributing. Yes, we thank have. You. We have just paid our hosting fees for this year, and it was a real pleasure to be able to do that with all the support that our patrons yes, have given us. Thank so you. This is a really heartfelt thank you to all of you, not just the new guys, but we've got a second new guy to, uh, who's joined us at pretty much the same time that Stu did, actually, and that's John Schwerib, uh, I believe. Uh, Apo- apologies, if the, apologies if the pronunciation yeah, has been I'm murdered, like most, most of them that we attempt are. Uh, and also, um, one of our one of our patrons, Pete, had to go away for a bit, but he's rejoined us. Yes. But he doesn't come up for a thank you on Patreon for joining us a second time. So, <laughs> but thank you as well, and welcome back, Pete. Yes, welcome um, back. It's lovely to have your company. It is. So, 
World of Gaming. World of Gaming. A lot to talk about. We have. And not much time. Well, do you want to kick off then? Okay, the first thing is, uh, you know I've been raving about the design of Merkborg. Or Merkborg. Merkbier. I think it's something like that. Merkbier. I think. The Dark Tower, as we like to call it (laughs) in this country. Uh, And it was a lovely design piece. Um, Fascinatingly, I thought certain people among my local gaming group would like it, but I've been out of contact with them for quite a long time. And we just made contact again, and he was saying, oh, I want to play this new game, Merkbier. And <laughs> had we been meeting yesterday, I would have loaned him my copy. Ah. Um, but he tried to order it, and it's been sold out. Sold out? So he's ah. got to wait for a reprint. Well, so do well we... done to yeah. the Stockholm cartel. Do we have any uh, sense of but... what that, that print run what was the size of that print run? To be honest, I don't. Know. No, no, I don't. Maybe we should get some of them on and interview but them. But still, as well. I mean, great that they've they've exceeded their own expectations, which is brilliant. Yeah, but the biggest news out of Free League happened what a week or two weeks ago. Yeah, ten days, and, isn't it now? Yeah, um, and that was quite a surprise to me. Although I'm pleased to say. Um, we knew a bit of news was coming. Nils had hinted that there was news coming. And uh, Matt Kay, friend of the show from the Mother and Blood podcast, were talking. And he'd said, um, you know, it could be... Uh, th- think of some of the IPs that have been dropped recently, like yeah. Star Wars and uh, and the and the One Ring, uh, Lord of the Rings-related game. It could be one of those two. And I said, I don't think it'll be Star Wars. <laughs> Which makes me look incredibly prescient because it wasn't Star Wars, but it was. You didn't the Lord of the Rings. You didn't say, "I'm sure it's the One Ring." I'm sure it's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you just went, "I don't think it's Star Wars." Doesn't really count. So it's, it's negative prescience, not positive prescience. Uh, but uh, yes, um, the, the One Ring, the actual game, pretty much as. Uh, the, the whole team are moving to Free League. The One Ring was actually sort of created under the auspices of a company called Sophisticated Games, um, who I glimpsed but didn't get to talk to at UKG last year. They were touting a board game they had of, um, what's it called? Jonathan Strange and Mr. Noel. Have you read that? Yeah, book? yes. The, the, um, the, the Strange Adventures of. But yes, they were, if you like, the developers behind the One Ring and the associated uh, D&D 5th edition version, Adventures in Middle-earth. They were being published by Cubicle 7. A couple of months ago, Cubicle 7 said, oh, you know, we're not going to be doing it anymore. It seemed to be a little bit of a surprise, so I don't know quite what was going on there. Yeah. Uh, But um, here they are. the One Ring is going to be published by Free It Again, but I think still developed by the original team that developed it at Sophisticated Games. Yes, but the one good thing coming out of it is we know it will be delivered with Free League's trademark professional graphic design and um, production values, so that'll be a great thing. Um, I've never played it, or any, any earlier version, no. so I don't know what the game is like as a game. Um, I don't know, and I certainly haven't played any 5th edition adventures in Middle-earth because I kind of try and avoid D&D as, as much as I can. Um, so, do you know anything about it? 
Well, I got uh, a bundle of holding with the basic book in, whatever. You know, with bundles of holding, you're kind of encouraged to go for the uh, the bigger deal, yeah, as it were. They yeah. give you a basic thing. With that one, because I knew I had loads of games to play, but I was kind of interested in the system, I just got the, the, the cheapest deal, which is the core book and one or two other things. And I read the core book, and I kind of like it. I don't know how it plays, okay. but um, what's the, um, the it's got what's the system? What's the mechanic? I can't remember what the dice <laughs> roll is, but I can. The one thing I do remember, or well, actually, the dice roll was kind of interesting because I think the very first edition of the One Ring came with the D12s or something with. Runic symbols on the right, you know, okay. el- elven symbols that meant different things. My my heart um, my heart immediately sinks when I see dice that are so so bespoke. That... Well, don't quote me on that. Don't oh, okay. quote me necessarily. Okay, fair enough. But um, it looked like a relatively simple system to play. And what I really remember is that it had kind of similar journey rules to the stuff that we're enjoying <laughs> in, in Forbidden Lands. Lands. Okay. I, that would make sense uh, for a Lord of the Rings game, frankly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So um, it might be a fun thing to cover when it comes out in its <laughs> free league edition. Um, Do you think free league and uh, free Legan are trying to corner the market on on fantasy games? So now we've got the One Ring, <laughs> we've got Forbidden Lands, they've got Simbaroom. They'll be going after Dungeons and Dragons next. <laughs> but uh, well, I. Uh, I don't know. Am, am I worried, maybe, that they've got too many competing products? Mm. Uh, for which I feel... Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's I a tough one, isn't I, it? Because the, 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 gamer, the gamer community for the One Ring might not have played much in the way of Forbidden Lands or any Free League games. So maybe Thomas and the guys see this as a way of bringing a greater base to their games? Yeah, um, which might be a, a good strategy, but then, like you say, uh, having three fantasy titles on your, on your, on your, you know, your your menu of games might be too much. Don't know. I mean, let us though think about the origins of Free League. Although they started off as fans producing stuff for um, for Coriolis, the first edition of Coriolis. When they turned professional, the first thing they did was as publishers of art books like Simon Stalag, Simon Stalag, yeah. and other books. Um, I think they've, they've, they've published cult novels and stuff That's like that. That's very as true, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in a way, we know that they have expertise and experience just in publishing. Yeah. And to say that a publisher shouldn't publish <laughs> yeah. three different lines That's of a... fantasy game is like saying. Penguin shouldn't publish any more than one uh, multi-part fantasy serial, yeah, whereas we yeah, know yeah. that the bookshops are full of them. It's so, entirely um, fair point. Yeah, I, I hate to say it, you make a good point, Matthew. You love to say it because you say it so often. <laughs> I say it so irregularly. <laughs> but that was that's a fair point, yeah. And as you said, if it does bring more people to the world of uh, the Year Zero engine and Coriolis and Mutant and Alien and other, or maybe not Alien so much, but you know, Forbidden Lands, then that can only be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think that when we started out this podcast, 
three years ago. Three League were almost an unknown brand. Yeah. Almost three years ago. Yeah. Almost three years ago. I know. They were a kind of, they were tiny, tiny, and we'd say, we'd talk about them and nobody knew who they were. I think particularly with Alien last year, yeah. um, they are, they've grown. We've got the new Tales from the Loop serial coming out on TV. Yeah, I know. Which have you seen the, have you seen the latest video for that one? I saw the behind the scenes thing, yeah. Yeah, you know, and you've got people like Jodie Foster raving about <laughs> uh, a, 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 an IP that we've known intimately. Yeah. But... I, I thought that was particularly good with the interview with Seaman as well, where you actually mm. get him talking about it a little bit, which is nice for him to sort of come out from behind the canvas, as it were. So yeah. that's really nice. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm certainly... So, for the, yes, the, I, look, I think... the look and feel, I'm really excited about it. I hope the stories are, are good enough. The writing is good enough, but the actual look and feel looks really beautiful. Yes, I think they've got that. I they've got that right. I, 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 I'm, I'm. The more I see of it, the more I'm convinced it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, have to wait and see. They're producing One Ring and Adventures in Middle Earth. We know that those books were lovely. I think in hardback, I've only got the PDF, but the illustrations were lovely. Mm. So we know they're going to at least carry on with the quality of production yeah. that there was under Cubicle 7 and maybe improve upon it because that's one thing you can say about really because they produce gorgeous stuff. Yeah, very true. Cool. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Do we have any sense of at what point we should ex- when we should expect that? Yeah. No. No. We don't. Maybe we should invite... Um, I can't remember his name, the author's name, but maybe we should invite him to come and have a chat with us. Got it. I'm lining up interviews for the rest of the year. We are, over, we are <laughs> overdue another interview with Matthias as well. Yes, we should try and get that one yeah. next week. Yeah. Not next week, next episode. Yeah, we? yeah. Um, although, you know, it's all changed at uh, Free League uh, for a number of our communications with them because... We were uh, writing scenarios, I think we talked about this in the last episode, for Alien and for Basin, for UK Games Expo and for Gen Con. And Gothcon. And And Gothcon. Yeah. Well, you'd been asked to slightly accelerate your Alien one because they wanted to play it at Gothcon. Yes. They didn't ask me for Basin, which is just as well, (laughs) because you know. You're You're not good with short deadlines, are you, Matt? (laughs) <laughs> not at all no. <laughs> uh, I, I, I like to my, my scenario is mature like a fine wine <laughs> I'm going to come around your house and infect you with COVID-19 have you got COVID-19? Um, no are you <laughs> no. sure? well I am actually on on a, a, a two week isolation thing now because Jenny had a few very very mild um, a very mild symptoms, symptoms. Um, but she also got a notification from the gym that she uses that they had a confirmed case. And this is yeah. this is a couple of a few days ago. So um she's she's locked in for a week. I'm locked in for two weeks, going by the government guidance. So by right. by locked in, that means I just don't go to the pub and play role playing games. I still have to yeah. walk the dog, I still have to go and get food. But uh We none of us get to go to the pub and play role playing games no. at the moment. No, no, um, no. Um, any- so anyway, uh, that has also affected UK Games Expo, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's gone until August, assuming that everything gets uh, um, everything calms down by Sorted then. By then, yep. But you can't make that, can you? Now, which is a bit disappointing because you're favouring your family over spending a couple of nights in a hotel room with me. 
Yes, although um, the people of Cornwall have just said, don't come to us on holiday, please, and bring your germs. Okay. So if they're still saying that in August, right. uh, then we might be scuffered in that regard. So uh, okay. The other... But if they're still saying it in August, maybe UK Games Expo isn't happening. Either. No, true, true. Um, so they're still, I mean, Gen Con is still on, as far as we know, for the moment, but then that might well. For the moment. That might well. Uh, that's the end of July, isn't it, I think, Gen Con? So it's a bit further out. Maybe they've got a chance with that one. Yeah, yeah. But we'll see. So can I just, I want to I want to um, talk about something else uh, that uh, our listeners have been talking to us about, and one listener in particular, which is Craig Atkins. Give a shout out to Craig. Hey, Craig. Good, good. Well done. Uh, <laughs> Craig got in contact with us because he is producing a Forbidden Lands bestiary for a book called Trilemma Adventures. Do you know anything about Trilemma Adventures? Uh, only what I've learned from you and Craig in the last couple of weeks. So not very much. So it's kick, it was kickstarted a while ago, and um, it's by uh, Michael Prescott. And he has, I think, he, he's got a Patreon, and uh, he produces these lovely sort of two-side, effectively, uh, landscape format adventure sites and locations and little ideas basically neatly done on two sides of a piece of paper and uh, basically uh, a few months ago he collected them all into a book and kick-started it and it's shortly going to be published mm. um, and because Craig was talking to us about uh, creating a bestiary for it which is basically taking all the creatures that are already mentioned in the Trilemma Adventures and writing up uh, I can't really call them stack blocks, can you, when it's uh, written lands? Hmm. But stack blocks and, sig- and signature tables. random adventures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Signature, signature attack tables, tables. yeah. Um, so, um, Craig, and maybe other listeners as well. I don't know. I think Craig's got one or two um, uh, collaborators with him on that project. Uh, and they're, 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 So they're, they're effectively doing the conversion kit for Trilander Adventures to bring them into, um, into Forbidden Lands. Yeah. And I've got to say... Uh, Michael very, uh, very generously sent us a copy of uh, Trilemma Adventures. I know you haven't had time to look at it, Dave, but I've been going through it, and it's great. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of... I'll tell you what it makes me think of. Um, both Dark Tower, as we now officially call <laughs> the game previously known as... Merc, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and Forbidden Lands, there are... Um, Scary things, beautiful things, crazy things, funny things, all sorts of things that I think could could fit into campaigns with both of those um, both of those games and maybe others. Of course, um, Dark Tower, as we call it now, um, doesn't have Forbidden Lands rules, so somebody else is going to have to create it best. Yeah. Them, but um, but it looks like a lovely little thing, and um, when we get closer to the Forbidden Lands bestiary being completed. And I think it'll be sold through drive-through. Uh, when they get through the workshop, it, if you like publication day. Yes, yeah. we ought to bring them in here. Yeah, why not? That sounds like a really good idea. And we talk to them. So yeah, this cool. is a whole year's worth of interviews. We've got. Uh, no. Yeah, we're turning this into an interview show. Do we need to do a separate stream channel for uh, for our interviews? For interviews. Well, I don't know. We, we, we're experimenting more with using uh, Zoom as our interview channel of choice. And, of course, that can stream. 
to uh, to so YouTube. Maybe we could do some interviews we could on YouTube. YouTube. We could yeah. we could risk it. In between our podcast episodes. Yeah, I would have to mm. I'd have to sort out my little cubicle where I where I do do these do this work to make it a bit better because I'm, I'm take all those uh, naked ladies down off your walls. You mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. all the real ones. So anyway, you've yeah. not been reading Trilemma Adventures. So Dave, what have you been reading? Well, I I for a long time have been um, flirting with the idea of getting cult. As a game, so I, oh, we've about I, yeah. I finally, um, uh, you know, bit the bullet and ordered it. It arrived about a week or so ago, or a couple of weeks ago, and I was thinking that cult. Yeah, you know, I'm quite in the mood for running some sort of slightly horror-y style of game. You know, like you know, Cthulhu, but a bit, a bit more serious, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And I was reading through it, and it's shocking. It is really <laughs> shocking. The kind of games that they seem to be encouraging are really, you know, this is your like saw movie or your gore horror movie in the worst sense almost. And I, I stopped reading it because I thought, no. I don't know when I'm going to play this or want to play it because this is possibly just a bit further than I'd want to go nowadays. Maybe when I was younger, I'd have been more into it, but I was trying to think of... This is fascinating. I was trying to think of a campaign that would really fit with the cult setting and the way they present it. And and it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's a great game, actually. The, 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 the mechanics are really good. The artwork is is brilliant, and that's part of the problem because the artwork is very explicit in places as well. And that's yeah. quite... That's quite... I'm not a squeamish person at all. And I, I love a good horror film and I love a good gore horror film. But, uh, yeah, I was trying to think, where where would I, what would I run as a campaign for this that would be would be fun rather than just well, is shocking? Is it a campaign tool or is it a bit like Alien where cinematic More of a one-off. seems to be a way to go? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's it would work well for campaigns. I think it's just... I was I was a bit surprised. I expected it to be horror horror. I was just a, a bit surprised at how horror horror-y it was. Horrific, <laughs> you know. Um, I, um, I will. Which edition have you got? Because I remember from the Kickstarter, which I didn't uh, pack, but I do remember looking at it. There were there were like there was going to be a retail edition where the illustrations, I believe, weren't quite as graphic as. That which the Kickstarter backers were going to Yeah, no, I got no. I think I got the 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 full horror version. Mm. I was chatting to Phil, our friend of the show, Phil, and friend of ours, Phil, um, about it. And he was showing me some shots of the book that he had that he'd got through Modiphius, and there are quite right. quite a lot of black areas on pages where artwork should have gone, and that's because they decided mm. to take that artwork out for the Modiphius version. Uh, right. So it, when it's yeah, I will finish reading it, obviously. But I just wanted to, because I've been looking forward to getting this for such a long time. I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted somewhere to 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 to, to release this kind of pent up shock's the wrong word, but this emotion in me that I just wanted to get out, and this seemed a great opportunity to do it. I do. Right. Well, that's interesting because I've also listened to Sweden Rolls doing their actual plays of cult. Yeah. On Andy Gibbs's recommendation, okay, actually, and um, 
And he, I think, is quite kind of interested in Colt. So we've got at least one player there who can join mm. the session um, when when things get back to normal, of course. But I didn't pick up quite how horrific you're saying it is from those two Sweden Rolls games. So maybe they were kind of dialing back the horror on that as well. Possibly, yeah. Quite, yeah, quite possibly. But um, yeah, I need to give it another proper read through. So I've I haven't read it all yet, but. Uh, and I think, and again, as a game, it's it's the kind of thing you know. I love serious, hard-edged, you know, horrific role-playing games. Um, I think I've, maybe I've just taken by surprise that I've had this reaction to it. Maybe that's maybe it's more my surprise at my reaction than actually my reaction to the book. If you see what I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, I thought I'd put that out there. Just cool. Okay, so that's a bit of get a it off my chest. Content parental advisory then oh yeah 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 definitely if they're considering purchasing cult <laughs> for their um, nine-year-old don't do it <laughs> <laughs> not not to be purchased for your nine-year-old no I think. can we be categorical we can be completely and utterly categorical on that one yes uh is it to be purchased for your think about your two boys i mean i know they're both over the age of majority now would you buy it for them as a 15 year old no would they want to read it as a 50 Probably. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, this is... Okay, would you let them read it now? They're both oh, yeah. uh, adults. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't stop them now. So, uh, yeah, I think... As long as, as long as an adult is... If you, like, you know, it, it, it's, it's adult content for sure. It's not... Uh, right. Not, not, not otherwise. But that can be a good thing, because I like those hard-edge cool. games. And I'm, I'm sure I love yes. Cult when I get into it properly. But, uh, yeah... Brilliant. Let's talk about anyway. something uh, the whole family can enjoy. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> alien. <laughs> uh, yeah, Alien. Uh, so last last week, last episode, I should say, about three weeks ago. Oh, actually, before we do Alien, let's just talk about about three weeks ago. Okay. So about three weeks ago, we said, hmm... We're thinking maybe we're going to change hosts and have a separate feed for our APs. Yep. Uh, and and then we did. And actually, that happened straight away with that episode that we published. Yep. Um, so if you're just listening to our feed that's the magazine show and you've been wondering where we have been for the last three weeks, then <laughs> you want to look out our feed, uh, which is on our social media. There's a link to it from our webpage as well. Um uh, the Effect AP feed, yep. uh, which is um, www.effectap.org, or indeed you'll find it on all your local things. I've just made sure it's appeared on, on Podchaser, <laughs> it's, on, it's on Spotify, it's on Apple iTunes, it's on pretty much every, uh, every directory I can find. Not yet on Google Podcasts, but we'll work, we'll work on them. <laughs> And that's where we're now, from now on, going to exclusively put our APs. And just this morning, as we record, ah. this morning, the third episode of your fabulous alien scenario, Alien Aurora, uh, hit the airwaves. Cool. So if you're looking for the AP, it's there on Effect AP. Excellent. Good eye. I hope um, people are enjoying My message them. is over now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, last time we promised that you would do another bit of chat about your developing uh, colony rules and colonial campaign. Yeah.
Life on the Frontier One of the most fun things I've found in a colony game is finding and establishing your new home on a new world. Last time I talked a bit about the enhanced rules I've been putting together for generating star systems and planets to give a little more variation to the world that is a key element of any colony campaign, a character in itself, if you will. Today I'm going to talk about setting up the colony and life on the frontier. Sponsorship is important. Who is paying the bills? The way your colony outfit is paid for and controlled immediately brings story hooks aplenty. Every member of the colony will be working for, or have been recruited as a colonist by, one of the sponsors. In my campaign, the primary sponsor of Vinland Station is the corporation Siegson, with the Three World Empire and the UPP. Rolled randomly during colony creation, this has already brought divided loyalties to the players and seeded one scenario that, uh, and I think this will come as no surprise to any of my players who may be listening, will lead to an ongoing campaign arc. Those dastardly UPPers don't think the capitalists are doing a good job. I've already tried to replace Siegson's civil marshal from his position of authority, not without reason, as Marshal Hopper is both incompetent and an alcoholic, but the UPP have their own internal rivalries that may bubble up to the surface as tensions rise. Your colony has a primary mission. Hadley's hope was terraforming. Vinland Station is farming. Naturally enough, the jobs of any characters at that colony may well reflect this primary mission, but they don't have to. Every colony will be in need of a huge range of skills, And even though a colony has a primary mission, this doesn't stop it progressing secondary missions at the same time. I'll come back to the topic of jobs in a minute. But as I said, Vinland Station is on LV1313 to establish a farming colony, a breadbasket for the Three World Empire and the UPP, and a nice money spinner for Siegson. But the planet is also home to immense plains of native grass, verdant hills, deep rift valleys and jungles of exotic plant life. Surveying and prospecting are going to be big business on LV1313, and the scientists are straining at the leash to study the indigenous life, huge beasts and insect swarms that roam the lands. But more on these guys in another programme. So this brings me to the question, at what point in the colony's creation do you want to throw the players into the action? My take on it sees me and the players managing the journey in Session Zero, surveying and choosing the right planet to settle upon. It also sees us making a few skill tests to see how well the colony team manages the actual act of colonisation. And it was then, a few weeks in game time after that moment, that we zoom in and start the role-playing story for real. But you could play it differently. In Covenant, and particularly the prequel book to the film, The journey to the planet is played out, with obvious disastrous ends for the crew. Personally, I don't want to play Journey to the Colony, I just want to reflect those bits that matter for the colony itself. And for me, there are two. The overall population you're bringing with you, and the act of colonising itself. In Covenant, there were 2,000 or more crew, in a mission that was nearly 60 years before that which saw Hadley's Hope colonised. I like to think that, in the intervening years, the powers that be felt that the loss of missions like Covenant, pending, of course, any third movie that explains it all, meant that big Battlestar Galactica-style missions were too expensive for the risk, and so went for smaller, cheaper, 
faster colony missions, like that which must have colonised LV-426. And that's the style I've gone for in my campaign, and it seems to work so far. As I mentioned a moment ago, the act of colonising itself, for me, has been part of Session Zero, making a few rolls to see how well this is managed and how that affects the strength of the colony at the start. Bad rolls might mean a colony module crash-landed rather than was slotted into its place perfectly. This might mean people are hurt, or dead, or vital resources have been damaged or destroyed. It might lead to recriminations between the factions or personal rivalries or vendettas. As a GM, you could choose to fully roleplay this situation, but if it goes perfectly, it might be a bit dull. I prefer to manage it more quickly in colony creation, and then use the dice rolls and outcomes to inform the atmosphere of the colony right at the start of its life, and make me some early story hooks to explore. I said I'd talk a bit more about jobs. In my setup, there are three broad categories of jobs. The command team. The small group of leaders under the colonial supervisor, who's usually a government appointment, who are in effect department leads. These include the corporate director, looking after, in my case, Siegson's investment, the union steward, the civil marshal, and so on. Then there are official jobs. Well, there's as many of these as you have imagination, but obvious ones include miners, wildcatters, scientists, security guards and tractor drivers, law enforcement officers and corporate executives. Then you have all those who make living in the colony bearable, entertainers, bar and shop owners, restaurateurs, school teachers, not to mention the maintenance staff and medics. Then you get unofficial jobs, like fixes. You want what? Yeah, I can get that for you, for a price. And criminals. Hey, I'm just acting on the will of the people. Uh, union agitators, who know the workers are drones being exploited by the corporate scum. And corporate sleepers, keeping an eye on those bloody agitators. So there are lots of opportunities to fit a kind of subtype into the existing alien careers. A colonial marine could be a maximum security prison guard or a mercenary. A marshal could be just that, but could also be a corporate heavy or a bounty hunter. The company agent could be a troubleshooter or a roving auditor, like Dorian Suttler in the book The Cold Forge, or a company claims agent, to whom everyone needs to come if they want their colony claims endorsed. For a small fee, perhaps. Scientists and medics could follow any field, from xenobiology to the colony head shrinker. An officer could be anything from a worker's first shop steward, fighting for the people, to the most loyal company stooge there is. And a roughneck could be a drill jockey, mining expert, or the guy with the explosives, called a powder monkey. In the Exodus campaign, my group includes the company director, civil marshal and chief scientist, all of whom have a place on the command team, along with a xenobiologist, a medic whose expertise is in respiratory problems, a 13-year-old kid, and a prospector with an eye on making money out of the beasts that roam the planet. They all have varying loyalties too, with both a big Siegson and UPP faction in the group. One big issue for a GM, in every game, but also in a colony campaign, is how to draw a thread across such diverse characters that pulls them all together in a way that makes sense that they should be spending so much time together, dealing with issues, going on rescue missions, and investigating problems or crimes. When I've worked out the answer, I'll let you know. 
Oh, that was a really interesting piece, Dave. I liked all of that. Cool. Thank um, you. But it made me think of one thing. You talk about uh, adapting the different archetypes to a more colonial life. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but I was just wondering where, you know, little dreams come true for a moment. Yeah, your man Thomas at Free League says, this is really good stuff, Dave. We want you to be the main author on our colonial supplement. Well, I'm kind, Do you I'm think there's... kind of hoping we're there, although it's not entirely formalised. But yeah. it's been well, it's, it's definitely, let me, let definitely, me not just say implied. He doesn't say that. He gives you a contract and says, yes. and we will pay you a million pounds. <laughs> or five pence or, per word. Or whatever, or one, or, or whatever the rate is. Yeah. And you've written, now hold on, let me work that out. 20, yeah, 20 million words. <laughs> Thereby giving us a million pounds. And because uh, you used me as your thing, I'll be the co-author. Hmm. Won't I? You, you might get an honourable mention. <laughs> a thanks to the baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, I'm getting away from yeah, that. Yeah, so what, 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 what was your question? But let's, let's see that book in our heads. And it's all lovely. It's got uh, lots of Martin Grip art all over it. Mm-hmm. Has it got new archetypes that are specifically colonial? It could. Um, I'm trying to think of any that... So I think the one thing that the existing careers don't cover mm-hmm. would be... And this might sound really boring, but I think... Bear with me. I think there's interest in it. Might be farmers. Mm. So, well, funny enough, I actually... That's the one I was thinking. So you could argue that the roughneck could be a farmer... That that might work just about, mm-hmm. um, but I think specifically then actually that 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 farmers wouldn't immediately fit in one of the other other careers. The other one you could have might be surveyors and prospectors, but mm. but that could fall under pilot potentially. Um, although maybe slightly different. No, or scientist. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a mixture between a pilot and a scientist or a pilot, a roughneck and a scientist, really, because it's mm. someone who goes out and, you know, who surveys places and then prospects and finds stuff and then gets the gets the money for it, gets the claim. And there's certainly stuff I've thought about in the rules that would uh, you know, help a GM run a, mine, a, a surveying or prospecting operation and help a, a GM work out how much money that that might be worth but the farmer one i think um that would work particularly well partly because i don't think any other 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 ones really fit it but also because i have put together um or i'm building a, a, a number of talents in anticipation that um you know we might want some fresh talents to go with colonies and one of them i put in was husbandry and the idea behind that is you know obviously the management of livestock the management of animals but it also allows you to farm and control harvesters in in the the the, the books somewhere mm-hmm. there's reference to harvesters being used to help mining because they are so good at chomping through stuff Oh right, yes. Yeah. So no, I was thinking about combine. Ah no, harvester, harvester, harvester the monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And I've put in, say, this talent, husbandry, allows you to do that. You can't control them without it because it's a very technical um, technical job. Yeah. And also, with it, comes equipment in order to to manage the manage the harvester. And then your successes of using this equipment to make the harvester do what you want it to then dictates what whether the harvester does what you want or not. Making it important that if you're going to try and control a harvester in this way, you've got more than one person. Because if you fuck your roll up, you've still got your friends there. And all you need is one success out of all of you. Because um, if it goes wrong, obviously the harvester is a deadly dangerous creature. So I think maybe, to answer your question, I think maybe farmer is the one that most immediately leaps out as uh, okay. being a new career. That sort of makes me think of another question, though, very briefly, because I we need to move on with this. But um, there's been a little bit of criticism I've seen on some of the other reviews that the skill set is a little bit limited. Mm. Now, we know this is how free league games play, yep. but this is one of those that's got 12 skills, unlike Coriolis, that's got 16. And uh, I can't remember. I think another one's got 16. Mutant, I think, has, if I remember rightly. Do you... Could you see us oh, creating four more skills for slightly more rounded characters? I think my only, oh. I think the only, the only problem with that would probably be the fact that it then changes the nature of the game more broadly. Yeah. So I suspect that even if we came up with four really good skills that would fit perfectly that Free League wouldn't be keen on doing that anyway because it would change so much of the game in itself. Um, That's okay. If people want to have 16 skills, they should come to our Tales of the Old West game. <laughs> yes, which we've got to get a bloody move on with, exactly. Still sitting there. Yeah. As soon as I get space, I think, all right, I'm going to do something with it, and then uh, then something else gets in the way. Somebody gives you another job to do. Um, <laughs> so I think I think for, the, for a lot of the stuff that um, I've done in the Colony campaign... Um, so, for example, the husbandry talent uses stamina to control the harvester. Um, yeah. Heavy machinery has just been converted into farming. Um, mm. So there's, there's quite a lot of stuff there. Um, you could almost argue that you could use survival in some sense as, a, as some kind of farming sk- yeah. farming skill. But um, we'd have to have a think about how what what circumstances... You know. And talents can do a lot, can't they? Talents yeah. can really say, you can use this skill for this thing which may not be quite intuitive in the name of the skill by having this talent. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think that's what we need to say. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, just briefly then, um, I know you said earlier that now we're not allowed to go to the pub and you're not playing games anymore or you're not playing games with your group of friends. Where did you get to last with your colonial campaign? Any any interesting things you've discovered from that? Um, so we've run two sessions... The, the first one was a, um, a rescue mission, in effect, where they came across a harvester and then had to escape, which, um, yeah, which, it was a very simple scenario. Um, it played out through all the, 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 the good alien um, mechanics and stress, and there was one of the characters, Morgan's character, lying in a, in a, in a, in a shallow river, basically crying, mm-hmm. trying to escape, because the, he couldn't escape up the river because the... There's too much mud, and then the harvester wasn't even going for him at that point. Um, and the second one was a uh, more of a intrigue in the colony between some of the UPP elements who were trying to 
remove the civil marshal, who is a Sikhson appointment, but who's also incompetent as a marshal and is an alcoholic. <laughs> and is an alcoholic. Is he a player character? He is a player character, yep. Yeah, that's why he's incompetent. <laughs> no, because he, he didn't really understand um, what skills were, were going to be best for his character class, uh, for his for his right. um, his career, and so just chose the skills he wanted to, which basically means he's not very good at commanding people around, um, right. which is quite yes. important for a marshal. Quite good at shooting and stuff like that. Yeah, he's yeah. he's good in a fight. Yep. Um, yeah. So, uh, but it it works really nicely, and part of the reason why I played that scenario in that way at that time was because at the end of the previous scenario, when we went through the end of the cycle, which is the, 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 the mechanism I use to, to show how the colony progresses over a six-month period. The, uh, the aspect of the colony that was related to him was doing very badly, as was a couple of others. His own personal clout in the colony was very low. And so I thought, okay, this is an opportunity for the UPP to try and uh, do a... Um, uh, not... In, Sort of coup. Yeah, do a coup, but I'm trying to think. It's, it's not a entirely illegal coup. It wasn't. This is this is something that they could try and do, but they were doing illegal stuff to try and make their chances better, of of ousting him. Uh, and in the end, the uh, internal UPP matters started to bubble up, and the the marshal managed to keep his job, but only just. And there are right. and there are some UPP guys who are very. Uh, very well regarded in the colony, who are very upset that he's still in a job, and mm. so that's where we're taking it on for next time. Brilliant. And will you try and do that online, or is that now on hold until whenever? We'll we'll probably try and give it a go online if it looks like we're not going to be able to meet for three or four weeks. Um, mm. I've got no real sense how long this is going to last. You know, it all might blow over quite quickly or it might drag on for months um obviously we need to do the right thing to make sure um people are protected but so we, yeah. we probably will give it a go online as you know i'm not such a big fan of doing it online because you lose the thing that's that i love the most about these games which is that personal contact and interaction but if it's no gaming then it's better better online than nothing i suspect um, but anyway, I have, I have an offer because I've got a lot more I can talk about colonies. And um, next time, I, um, I'll i set my own homework, which would be to talk a little bit about dangers on the frontier. Excellent. I have thoughts on that. So cool. I will eagerly await your next article in about three weeks' time. Cool. Good stuff. Right. And um, we have we have banged on a lot now. And we haven't even got to the main event of the show yet, have we? Yes, and the main event of the show is Magnus Magna Theatre. So we're online today with Magnus Theatre, uh, who is the author of The Bitter Reach, the forthcoming supplement, which we've had in beta form from Free League. That's backers uh, have had that. So I've had a bit of a preview of it. And we've spoken to you once, Magnus, uh, but you that said then, come back and talk to you once the pictures are in place and the pictures are in place now and they're lovely so <laughs> we've invited you to uh, to come back online how are you 
Uh, I'm fine. Uh, here in Sweden, we are, as everyone else, is uh, self-isolation is is the the trend for the for the day. But um, it turns out that uh, my tiredness and my uh, sort of uh, groggy uh, head uh, turns out to be pollen allergies again. <laughs> I'm always surprised every year about the uh, the emergence of pollen, but uh, everything is fine here. The, um, the rosé you've been drinking. Ah, no, 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 no. <laughs> can't possibly do that. Can't, can't possibly do that. No, I'm, I'm fine, and, and uh, I'm extremely delighted to have uh, taken part of uh, reading the the beta, and uh, I proofread it uh, since, uh, as a writer, I have a fairly unique uh, perspective on on what's in it. Mm. Uh, so I, but I did read the the Swedish version. I didn't right. have time to put in uh, reading the English version, so but I caught caught a few things uh, that needed to be addressed. But it, it looks fabulous. Mm. Uh, it, it feels really exciting to to see it come together like this. So from the outset, I'm just going to state that I haven't read all of it because as a as a player, I'm hoping to play quite a lot of it, so I don't want to spoil it all for myself. Um, Matthew, as our GM, has read all of it, but I've read obviously the all the player bits. I had a bit of a sneak peek at some of the... Yeah, I was going to uh, say that. Could you resist the temptation? <laughs> well, only, mainly things like, um, I was looking through the, the random generation tables for, um, for the locations and stuff. Because mm-hmm. they're great. I love those. Um, we can talk about them in a bit more detail in a minute, maybe. But uh, so, yeah, I, I haven't... I, I counted the number of adventure sites there were. I could see how many pages there are. I did... I couldn't fail but glance at some of the pictures, but I haven't read any of it. So. Okay, okay. I'll believe you. Thousands wouldn't. Now, first of all, Magnus, I've got to express my disappointment. You promised gold when we spoke last time. You said the place was full of gold, and there doesn't seem to be much more gold there than there is <laughs> in the Ravenlands. Maybe not. Uh, it it would be in the uh, random tables uh, for the generation there. But that was one of the problems I had uh, was uh, sort of gauging the amount of, of treasure placed. And uh, I guess I didn't place as much as I thought I did. <laughs> or maybe Thomas uh, uh, turned, uh, tuned it down a bit. <laughs> It may be. I mean, I don't want to. Tr- I don't want to get Dave excited because there's one thing Dave's character likes more than life itself, and that's gold, gold or gold. silver. I mean, he's hardly ever seen any gold because I'm a stingy. <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> um, so, but, but it's important to remember that that uh, in the artifacts uh, chapter that uh, Dave hasn't read. <laughs> uh, that uh, we discuss a bit about the uh, the. Uh, high value uh, artifacts that can be found in the, in the bit reach. So yeah. uh, finding, for example, a silver statue uh, that would be, uh, have one value, be worth one thing in, in the Forbidden Lands. Uh, no, yes, in the, the Forbidden, the Ravenlands. Raven <laughs> yes. Um, it's confusing that when, when the, the, the Forbidden Lands is the name of the game and the, the area. Uh, it, but that that uh, artifact is more worth uh, coming from uh, from the bitter reach if you can find someone to buy it, of course. Mm. Yeah, and get out alive with it, obviously. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I've read a um, uh, obviously Dave and I have read in detail the sort of pre uh, pre pre GM bit, 
Um, and there we've got the new class, the Guardian, which uh, Dave, you, a uh, champion, sorry, not Guardian, what am I saying there? Um, but they, Dave, you said how much it fitted your character, Tengrail the Elf. And that's exactly the thought I had at the time. Pity mm. you can't be a, a, a champion because no. you've already generated your character. Um, no, the, um, the path of protection talent, uh, the profession talent fits perfectly for my character because um, while he's uh, kind of fallen from grace, he's now walking with the mortals to try and learn the value of life. And one of the values of life that he's learned is that gold is nice. So he goes for that. But the other is friendship. So he basically puts himself in the way of, yeah. of his friends. And um, yeah, I mean, I, was, I hadn't really given any particular thought to what new professions might be in there. But the minute I turned onto that page and saw the champion, I thought, oh, no, that's nice. I like that. That's, uh, uh, it, 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 it kind of takes you almost warrior into the paladin. Kind of yes, yeah, which is really, which is really cool. And uh, and then on magic as well, did you did you create that wonderful path of uh, magic that's like D and D, Magnus? Just just <laughs> just because you wanted to, because it was the thing that was missing from Forbidden Lands. <laughs> we uh, we decided that uh, we had to have elemental magic uh, in in some uh, some capacity in the in the bitter ridge. And uh, I know that uh, the Free League are talking about expanding the elemental magic in, in coming books as well. All right. Um, yeah. So, so we might see more books or more areas themed after some other elements that could be exciting. Mm. Um, so uh, Thomas asked me to, to uh, do a draft of that. Uh, and I turned in a draft uh, with uh, two uh, paths uh, for the for the magician for the uh, uh, spells and stuff mm -hmm. and uh, they were changed a, a little bit um, uh, so that that's a collaboration between me and Thomas mm -hmm. um, I know that some people have uh, remarked that the fireball is, is a disappointment because it turns everything into D and D once again um but uh, to me if uh, fireball is is a classic old school spell uh, yeah. and it, it fits with the uh, elemental magic uh, part quite yeah, well you're a magic so, user and you can you can manipulate the elements and you can manipulate fire why aren't you going to turn it into a fireball <laughs> regardless of whether it's D D or whatever yeah. no i can't do that because somewhere else it might be you know it's done somewhere else Nah, come on one of the I, things i like about those elemental spells particularly is if you're a mischievous player they, a lot of them give you a really good opportunity just to muck people about, mm -hmm. just to be difficult, which, uh, which I really like in a role-playing setting. Mm -hmm. so it's, not, it's not so much about min-maxing and getting the most powerful weapon you've got. It's about doing something that just annoys the, the guy at the table next door in the, in the inn or something. Yes, and also uh, I think that uh, one thing that might annoy uh, another uh, participant at the table, uh, the game master, uh, I think that <laughs> spells should be able to, to uh, give those kind of opportunities as well to bypass uh, certain, uh, certain cha challenges in creative ways. Uh, and, and I hope that, that some of the spells, the elemental spells, can, can do that. Yeah. 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 Um... I think we've all got anecdotes from early days of D&D &D about doing imaginative things with elemental spells. And 
I can sort of see the point of people saying, well, you just turn it into D&D with a fireball. But, but the spirit of the game, surely, is about taking the games we all played in the 80s and bringing them into the modern age. And for me, Fireball fills a gap that I didn't realise was missing for me. I, I wasn't lusting after Fireball when I was there, but when I saw it in the book, I was very happy to see it there like an old friend. Uh, so so don't, don't listen to the naysayers. They're all wrong. And if they, are, if they don't like it, they can house rule it out if they want, I guess. Yeah. Um, I have got an issue, though, another issue, sorry, apart from the gold. <laughs> Um, given that now, maybe trying to say this in a way that doesn't spoil it too much for our listeners, given the unique relationship between halfling, now you could, you know, all about it, Dave, okay. <laughs> uh, given the unique relationship between halflings and goblins, mm-hmm. um, is there a story that I haven't found yet about why there are plenty of goblins? I know why there aren't many halflings. I'm struggling to work out why there are so many goblins in the Bitter Reach. Uh, there wasn't a, uh, a story about that, uh, but people brought it up on the, on the Free League forum. And uh, I, I found that thread uh, discussing that. And I, I sat down and did some thinking about that. And I spoke to Eric, who, who wrote the game world from the start. And then I talked to Thomas, and it turns out that we all three had been sitting uh, thinking about that uh, separately. So we added little, not, not much information about that. Um, oh, that's brilliant, though, because I... There's, there's a little, 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 very little uh, information that, that sort of explains uh, the, uh, the, per, the multitude of goblins uh, given that uh, the uh, halflings and the goblins have that very special relationship, and why aren't there more halflings and why are there so not many goblins? There are not that many goblins in the Bitter Reach, but uh, we try to explain that. And also, I think that Eric, who has uh, maybe I shouldn't say this, uh, he, he started <laughs> oh, writing hey, the hey, next book. Scoop, scoop, <laughs> excellent. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> so Eric is working on the next book, and uh, I don't think that's a secret. But uh, he it's not uh, now. Not now. <laughs> yeah. So he uh, he sort of uh, took that question with him as well, and and started thinking. Okay, so if if the bitter reach works like this, uh, how would that work with what I'm doing? Um, so so something that. To, to be frank, it wasn't something that I, I thought of, actually. Mm. Um, but that's, that's why I like uh, the, the Bitter Reach, uh, not the Bitter Reach, the Forbidden Lands. I'm taking ownership of the game now. <laughs> uh, no, the, the Forbidden Lands fans, uh, is that, that uh, something that I don't uh, think about? It, it, something that I think of as a detail is something that someone else will latch on to and say, wait, 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 for the consistency of the, the world, this, this, I would like this to be addressed. Oh, that's brilliant, okay. because I, I, I wasn't actually a backer because of issues with Kickstarter at the time, so I've only looked at this more recently. I've not particularly wanted to spoil myself on the, on the forum threads, but it's great, isn't it, that by releasing a beta, by showing it to the fans who are all so much more, if you like, really immersed in what's happening in their campaigns and thinking, how am I going to explain this to my players? And they've come to you, and you and Thomas and Eric have come up with, even if it's just a, a couple of lines, I think that will be... Perfect, perfect. Because yep. that's what and I was I, looking for. 
Great. Uh, I can also say that uh, Thomas did, um, after feedback, tweak the the uh, champion a little bit. Oh, right. uh, so so that uh, feedback that we got from the forums, uh, we looked at it and and we we tried to address it uh, effectively and and uh, not with any major rewrites, of course, but mm. some things. And I, I think it's it's um, it's it's a good thing that you you say that about the beta is that it is a possibility for us to to uh, address things that that we might have missed. Uh, and I think that's more what the beta is, is, is good for. It's, of course, it's, it's good for us to be able to get the proofreading of it, but that's mm. something that we handle anyways. Mm. Uh, so so it's, not, it's not primarily farming out the proofreading to the fans. Mm. Uh, that Obviously, if they spot mistakes uh, and report them, then that's great as well. But, uh... Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but uh, it's, it's more important to me that they, they, they find things like, uh, well, the goblins and uh, uh, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, I think that, that, that gives for a, for a better book. But it's, it's also, it's also it's, it's, a complex, uh, it's a complex question as well, because it's, it's, it's so easy for us as, as, as writers and, and game designers to, to just say in that, well, you can, you can fix that yourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's uh, we need to be respectful of of uh, people wanting to know more about what the thoughts are behind the game and and, and respectful of people wanting to play a world where everything fits together as well as it can yeah uh, other than, or else we we just it becomes one of these uh, what we call in Sweden we call them the quilt uh, quilt worlds where you just have a, a barbarian uh, culture next to a, a ancient Greek culture next to a, a science fiction culture. And then that's the fantasy world. But, but we want, uh, that's, that's something that Eric is, is, is very good at putting together a world that, that fits together. Mm. Uh, One of the great strengths of, uh, you know, of all, you know, all the best games, the you know, forbidden lands falls into that is that um, uh, sort of consistency of uh, legend and background and nothing, nothing just feels like it's been squeezed in because it's convenient or there isn't a story. There is a, there's a reason why things are the way they are. And I, I really like that. And I certainly, even the bits of uh, the bit of reach I was able, you know, I was allowed myself to read. Um, you, you get that sense very strongly. I think that that's, uh, or rather I, 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 I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that. And I think that a lot of the credit for that goes to Thomas. Uh, as he's the he's the custodian of the game, mm. so to say. And uh, as we we spoke uh, last time, I, I said that Thomas had asked me to write in my own style. Yes, and it's it is very different from Eric's style. And uh, now that I get to see glimpses of what he's writing at the at the moment, uh, I can see that his his way of building the book and building the culture and the, the background is so very different from mine. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm happy to hear that that you felt that this this still fitted within the Forbidden Lands game world. Uh, I was afraid that it would feel like something that was tacked on. Ah. Yeah, and that's a, I guess that's the danger, isn't it? As you say, mm-hmm. I love that expression, quilt world. Yeah. <laughs> in fact i think sounds like a cool world though yeah, yeah doesn't it Actually. there should be a series of fact uh, fictional yeah. novels about it yeah. <laughs> it's like something out of um, super mario or something isn't it <laughs> yeah. oh you have to bring the tone down dave 
Sorry. I was thinking Clive Barker. He, he had a weave world at one point. So oh, yes, anyway. he did. He did have a weave world. I was actually thinking Adventure Time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that 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 uh, that would also work. Comes between the two, Mario, Clive Barker, mm. and Adventure Time. <laughs> <in the middle. laughs> uh, so, were there? So, just before we move on, were there any other? You meant we talked about goblins. We've talked about uh, some feedback on the the champion. Are there any other bits of feedback that have made quite significant changes in, that we'll see in the final version? Uh, not that I have had to address. Uh, uh, I, I did do some rewrites. I can't now remember what it was. Um, oh, yes, actually. <laughs> um, I had to rewrite one of the, one of the monsters. Oh, right. And uh, um, I'm you might to take a guess which one, but I, I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> actually, uh, I did. Um, we we had the, the write up for the pike whale, right? And uh, the pike whale was described in text as a beast, as a whale. Uh, well, basically, it's a narwhal, uh, it's got a huge horn and and uh, big body, and and uh. We got cramped for time with the illustrations. And uh, Tapia, who did the uh, main illustrations, uh, had already done a beast. Right, yes. And it doesn't look like a narwhal. No, <laughs> Does, no exactly. So <laughs> that, that is now... PDF looking at the page. <laughs> yeah. so, so the, the, and that was actually something that we had discussed, uh, I think we discussed it five, six months ago. Uh, but it got uh, got lost in the shuffle. Uh, I can tell you a little bit about how the delivery of the text went, but it got lost in the shuffle, and we didn't address it until now. Uh, so now, I believe it is called the Sword Beast, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it is now a beast that can have one or two forms <laughs> uh, that it uses to to fence uh, in when they fight each other. Right. Uh, so that was actually uh, th- that was the most significant rewrite of something I had to do, was to create that uh, within the same uh, space con- constraints that that the pike whale was, uh, mm-hmm. and and within this, trying to tweak as as much as possible to to create the feel that that this is the beast that we're looking at while mm. changing as little as as possible so that we wouldn't have to uh, do redo the, the layout uh, or the testing or anything like that. So basically, yeah. it's a reskinning of of the the beast, mm. the, the pike whale, into a sword beast. Mm-hmm. Of so course, that, Christian, who does the layout, probably swore a lot about that <laughs> because then he would have to chuck the the beast back in the book, and I don't. Yes, and get all the, the make sure the monster attack table fits, and yeah, yeah, and the illustration it goes over the spread as well. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Pages. It's a nightmare from layout issue. But uh, well done. Or I'm, we'll wait and see what the final version we'll see, looks yeah, like. Exactly. <laughs> um, but but well done it, it, that. Sorry, but one other thing that I, I did uh, find that, that it might be when I did the, the read through of the book uh, was that I, I, apart from looking at, at um, just where things had, had uh, been, been substituted, because because what, what, what basically well, let me back back a bit at uh, what what happened uh, during the the fall was that that we uh, we had work we worked on it and then uh, they sat the um, 
the uh, target the, the Kickstarter and, and the target delivery date. And uh, as we spoke, I think we spoke about that. Um, that I, I when I when I hit my target number of, of words, I wasn't done. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did another. Uh, the, the target was fifty thousand words, which is about a novel size. And then I did another fifty thousand words in the next month. Um, but to be able to deliver now. Uh, I had to send chapter by chapter, uh, which means that they had to do the editing chapter by chapter without having the, the, the entire the book, the whole thing. And that was uh, some things that I found. Uh, and I, I think that I was, it was easier for me to look for those things because I, I, I am the one who knows the text the best. So I could see where things, okay, this is what I wrote for this chapter, but I changed that eight chapters later but i forgot to talk about that tell thomas about it mm -hmm. so i could find find some things like that uh that needed to be changed right. and uh that that's one of the one of the perks of having a beta version uh, could, uh, uh, so i mean it's i'm really interested in the whole production thing but i want to start off with the illustration since we were talking about these gorgeous pictures um and I like that the Forbidden Lands was inspired by um, uh, the art, Gil, uh, uh, Nils Galaxon's original sort of 80s art. Uh, but these are newly commissioned pieces that have a real quality to them. I'm just, I'm just going to go back and find out who the artist was, but I'm leafing through my PDF. Alvaro Tapia. Alvaro Tapia, yeah. Yes. I, I mean, it's a love. It's a really lovely um, style. It looks quite, you know, pencil style, but mm -hmm. but at the same time, amazingly uh, hard, if you like, mm -hmm. in bark making. Um, so combination. Yeah, the way I do it when I was at art school, would, you know, there's a, there's a pencil sketch and then there's a bit of inking on top, but it's not entirely inked. Sorry, I'm getting into technicalities here. <laughs> um, but it is lovely and it's a really distinct style, uh, particularly some of these creatures that have these kind of um, tattoo-like textures on them, um, which I really feel sort of is, feels kind of uh, Inuit <laughs> in a way. I mean, I'm loving yes. it all. Uh, but yes, this is newly commissioned art, and you talked mm -hmm. about the art happening as you're writing in a way, so then the pike whale gets illustrated mm -hmm. as something that doesn't look like a pike whale. Mm -hmm. uh, can we talk a bit more about that? Absolutely. That process? Absolutely. The, the, um, I'm very impressed with uh, Alvaro Tapia's work. Uh, he's the main illustrator and then the cover artist. I also did some work uh, and had contact with Niklas Brandt, who is the one who's doing the maps, the, the adventure sites illustrations. And uh, I think that Dave uh, actually have uh, taken a peek about those. And they're very atmospheric and, and extremely, extremely detailed in some places. Uh, and then Niklas also did the, uh, the artifacts. So, so I think that, that uh, when talking about the art, we need to, to uh, think about Nicholas Those two, well. yes, yeah. Alvaro Tapia and, and Nicholas Bant. The end, of course, to be Astronel who did the map. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the, the process was as different with, with all of these uh, three. 
uh, artists. I think Tobias was the uh, one who was uh, involved the earliest uh, with the map. And I created the, uh, I used Adobe Illustrator to create a, a very simple uh, hex map of basically how I wanted the, the, uh, the area look, to look like. Uh, just with, with colors, uh, and uh, then uh, Thomas looked at it and added some things, and then we sent it to Tobias, who brought everything to life, and then, then uh, he worked very, let me say, he worked very independently creating the map, uh, which uh, which was nice, of course, because I'm not a map maker. Mm-hmm. Of course, I, I do do uh, the um, alt of map, but that's not... Uh, it's not an artistic map in, in, the, in the way that the Forbidden Reach, uh, Forbidden Reach, <laughs> the Bitter Reach uh, map is. Uh, so he uh, worked from initial sketches uh, by me, mostly to the sketches showed the um, uh, the strips of land. Since the the Bitter Reach is is sort of constructed as a you start at the uh, east and you go west and you, you mm-hmm. sort of go through different strips of terrain uh, as you progress further into the into the area. And he brought those to life. Mm-hmm. And then uh, so we had the map that we uh, realized that we had to put uh, names on it as well. So so I created a lot of names and, and the Thomas and, and the, the guys at the Free League also added, added some names. And uh, that resulted in, in the final map. Uh, so that was mostly to be us and Thomas's uh, work. Uh, uh, I wasn't that involved in, in, in the map, apart from just uh, doing the basic uh, stuff and answering questions. So did you With, get a sort of um, a final endorsement of it at the end that it was it was the final the final map was meeting what you were after? Or oh yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. The 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 free league uh, uh, base basically everything uh, went. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say went through me, but that's 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 not how it works. <laughs> but I got to have a look at it, and if I had any object, objections, I, I I could I could voice them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's difficult though when when you when you when you get art like this. And people say, is there anything wrong with this? And I'm like, no, of course not. <laughs> it's fabulous. <laughs> it's difficult to yeah. see beyond it and see if, okay, is there anything that I, is there anything wrong? Yeah. That's not mm-hmm. about the quality or the feeling. Is there something that is wrong? Yeah. Uh, and, I th- and I think that's, that's a very difficult thing, judging art like this, because this is extremely nice art. Yeah. Mm. And I guess as the, as the writer, it, it, it's being... Uh, it's being clear that it's not wrong in the way you wanted that site to play out. So there was nothing that was added or taken out of the map that would suddenly change any of the stories you were thinking that you know might might be playable there. The uh, not from my side. What what I learned as as the uh, the the edited texts came back to me to do some ads. Uh, rewrites and stuff like that was that uh, Thomas and the Free League uh, changed a lot of things not a lot of things maybe but they did change things they, they uh, changed the names of things mm-hmm. and they changed uh, some uh, some locations um, and I only learned that through reading the, the, the edited text that came back to me but it's 
That, that, that's one thing of working together as a team is that, that when someone else takes a look at what you're doing, they might find that it's a lot better to do something another way, to place a, 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 an area somewhere else or, or to, to, to make some things clearer by not, not placing two areas too close to each other. Mm. So, so some things were changed um, without me uh, being uh, consulted, but, but that's the, the, that's, for me, that's, the, that's the, the nature of the beast doing yeah. things like this uh, because I, I'm not, this, this isn't my world. It's a world that the Free League has created uh, and Eric wrote the basics, and Thomas is the custodian, and I'm I have I've been invited to to write in it, mm. and I need to respect the, uh, the boundaries uh, set by uh, people that uh, that do own the world, so to speak, um, yeah. and I think that's also one of the things that is so exciting to uh, write for role playing games is that that you do it within the confines of someone else's uh, world. Did you have any occasions where there was something that changed that you were uh, felt so strongly about that you um, sort of went back to them about it and had nope. anything changed back? No, uh, uh, there were some things that I they, they changed that I sneakily changed back when I got the edited <laughs> text for rewrite. I don't know if they uh, discovered so they that. <laughs> <laughs> That's thing. Some names and stuff like that. But no, I, I didn't. Um, I didn't uh, feel that they did any such yeah. big changes basically but when it comes to the uh, the alvaro tapia art so the main art uh the process there was a bit different from the from the map as uh, we uh, met uh free league uh, alvaro and me met um, and uh, at the beginning of the project and, and we talked about what we wanted to to do and and the feel and and what the inspiration was and that's one thing that's great with working with uh, Alvaro is that he's he's very imaginative and he's he's got ideas and he's got so much um, reference knowledge. So he could say, well, what you're s telling me about what you want sounds like Babylonian uh, imagery. It sounds like something like this. And when you say that you want to have this feeling, it sounds like something like maybe these kinds of ruins. In fact, the, 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 the ruins that you see in the, in the images are, are quite distinct. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a very distinct style that's, that, that, that's, is that Alvaro thought about to, to, he thought of that to enforce the, the feeling of alienness mm -hmm. for uh, from the uh, the buried civilization which i keep calling the buried civilization because it's it's i'm not that's, sure how much of a spoiler it is uh, yeah that's the thing that i don't want uh, david discovering no. so uh, buried civilization is fine yes the buried alien civilization with a face hugger so basically what we did there was that, that alvaro started drawing these uh these uh, pictures uh after that first meeting he he sent uh, some very rough sketches and i got to pick which one of which ones of those i thought well, okay, if I did a book, uh, this is what I would have wanted to have in the book. 
Mm. And I think that for me as a writer, I, I think that's, uh, it's important. Uh, my experience as a producer of, of uh, media uh, has enabled me to, to also have a, a, a sort of like a broader view of what a book is. For me, it's not a text. A mm. book is a product. It's, it's, mm. uh, I, I can see, uh, I could see sort of envision scenes that I wanted to have in the book to, to illustrate text that I hadn't written yet. Mm. Uh, but I knew that I wanted to have adventures out in the snow uh, with some ruins towering over them uh, and everything being bleak and dark. And I, I knew that I wanted some of those key scenes uh, and, and Alvaro did some sketches. For example, uh, one that uh, I'm particularly fond of uh, is uh, the one where uh, a group of adventurers are climbing down a rope uh, uh, on top of an ice, uh, a huge icicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and there's a there's a, a linorm or something that's uh, uh, going up. They they are going down, and there's this dragon snake going up. And mm-hmm. I, I, when we saw the, the the basic sketch, it was like, okay, we need to write something like that. We need to have something <laughs> like that because it's so so uh, it's so cool. Yeah. And and after he did the sketches, he did the um, he worked out uh, the look and feel of the uh, monsters and everything else. Uh, but mostly that what was it? He did that by himself, mm. maybe with, with some input from Thomas, but not as much input from me on the, on the style of, of, of the images. That's uh, Alvaro's uh, genius, I'd mm. say. It's nice hearing that. Um, it's, sort of a, it's a bit like the creation of the, uh, the first book in that you have been, in some ways, inspired by the art. Even though you've mm. art directed, well, not quite art directed it, but you, know, you commissioned the art, it was there to reflect something that you had in your head already. Then it comes back to you and you go, Oh, wow. There's something new I want to write about as well. Mm. Yeah. That's good. That's, that's one of the major energy boosts you get when you're writing. Uh, and it, it, the, 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 the number of words I turned in was two, two, two novels, basically. Yes. Mm. Um, and, and that's a huge amount of text and, and text um, is boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you, you suddenly you get a, a mail from, from Thomas saying, well, f- by the way, have you seen the cover? And I open it up and I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and and th- this, is, this is the latest illustration for the, for, for, uh, the NPCs, the, the, the power brokers. Uh, this is Ingmar and, and this is uh, General Barago. Uh, it's such a, such a boost for me uh, as a writer to see things brought to life like that. Mm. Uh, that it, it helped me get over the last stretch uh, uh-huh. and to get into finishing the, the, the damn thing. Basically. <laughs> yeah, writing but, is a, but, a marathon rather than a sprint. Isn't it? So, oh, yes, absolutely. But then, then it, it, uh, as, uh, as uh, Alvaro did the, the initial sketches and we, we picked from uh, the images from that, uh, it later turned into me uh, defining after I had written some texts, Thomas came back and said, "Well, we need to have uh, the power brokers, so you need to describe them. We need to have uh, one illustration, uh, preferably for each adventure site. So you need to define one uh, iconic image or something per mm-hmm. adventure site. 
so we did have a sort of like a laundry list of things that we needed to have done. Uh, so I wrote basic uh, basic art descriptions for that uh, for Alvaro, uh, and then he he uh, moved into the Free League uh, studio in Stockholm and uh, sat there uh, drawing uh, the these. He draws them on paper, I'm I'm, I'm told, mm-hmm. and then they are sketched, they're scanned and and uh, digitalized, but he draws them on on paper. Yeah, there's a very natural pencil there, I think, so I'm Mm -hmm. not surprised. Um, It it is lovely. Now, just just to help put this into sort of context about how long this process takes, can you say how long ago did you have those first conversations with Alvaro and when did you get those preliminary sketches and how long ago was that? That's uh, something that's sort of like uh, blurred in my mind. <laughs> I don't know how long I've been doing this. Uh, I know that, that I started talking to, to uh, Freely about a year and a half, maybe two years ago about, mm-hmm. about this. And then uh, we, we did some, some early preliminary work. And then uh, this, not this year, but last year, let's say spring, uh, we had a meeting. And then Alvaro turned in the, the, the initial rough sketches very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we could pick those, and then he did the the worked out the style of everything, um, and that took a while. And then uh, I know that production for the free league turned to other uh, endeavors. So <laughs> there was this game that was based on the movie. Um, some old, sure. some, remember. some old yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. and that took a lot of time uh, and, and energy from the Free League. Uh, yeah. So I think we were in a bit of a lull there for a while. And then when uh, we sort of decided, when the Free League decided, well, now we really have to, to uh, get this done. Uh, then uh, Alvaro made a lot of images in a short, short uh, period of time. Mm-hmm. So it's not a question of, uh, yeah, it took six months and he, he delivered one image a week or something like that. Mm. Uh, it's mm. more like uh, uh, sprint. <laughs> this yeah. is actually more like sprint. <laughs> um, so so it's, it's uh, something that, that, that's also why he moved into the studio with the, yeah. with the guys so that they could have uh, a quicker conversation about, okay, but if I want to place this image on this spread, the layout, uh, could you do it like this? Could you could you draw it to fit my layout here? The layout, yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's really and is there an, sorry, you go, David. No, and no, all I was going to say was just so, um, having having read the the player part to this, I can tell it's written by a Scandinavian because oh, okay. you, you can feel the sense of cold <laughs> <laughs> it's off the page. Um, yeah, that was all I was going to say there, Matt. So, yeah, well, we did. I think that they took out some of my cannibalism texts. Uh, I'm not sure if they're Scandinavian, but but no, it's, uh-huh. it's sort of like uh, the Donner Pass uh, incident. Uh, uh, I think I referenced uh, right. something like that, but that was a bit too grim, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's still in there. But yeah. yes, it's cold. And that's, that's one of my friends, when he, he, he uh, learned that I was doing this, he actually sent me the... Uh, the text that was the the basic text for the the, the uh, box that is uh, 
cold, cold, cold or something like that. Uh, and he yeah, basically yeah. said that if you write this, I want you to write something about how cold everything is. And he's an ex-military, yeah. so he knows how it is, what it's like to be out in the cold in a tent cold. with nothing yeah. to eat and, not, and nothing, you can't sleep or anything like that. <laughs> so he said, that, you have to at least say this. This, this is wow. horrible. Um, which is a challenge, actually, because it's, it, it can be too horrible. Mm. So I, I think it would be interesting for me to sit down and now that this is done, to think about giving sort of hints or advice on how to play this without it being too horrible. Uh, it, yes. it, it needs to be fun. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be uh, a slog. It shouldn't be, uh, it's like we say in the book, this is not a simulation in, in being cold and, and freezing to death. <laughs> this is supposed to be an adventure. Yeah. And, and, um, maybe we together as, as, uh, as a fan community can, can um, find ways of, of uh, what to stress and what, how to make it feel cold and, and, and bleak, but still not depressing because I don't want to play something that's depressing. Now I did think when I was reading it, I looked at the, um, the, the, the mishaps table for traveling um, for journeys. And I jotted down as I was writing some notes, who would ever want to go to the Bitter Reach? <laughs> um, I think it's it, it, what it does is it highlights. I think the the difference between a game like this and and we were talking earlier about Dungeons and Dragons um, that this isn't about just hacking and slashing monsters. This is about the journey as well as as well as the destination. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I note that there are some tweaks around some of the uh, the traveling rules, the journeying rules. Yes. Um, do you think they've gone? far enough to sort of mitigate the, the risk that you're talking about there? Because I certainly didn't get a sense that my, my, my comment was a joke about who would want to go to the Bitter Reach, because obviously <laughs> there's treasures there. Um, but uh, do you think there's uh, but, you could say? Yeah, what, what you said about uh, Scandinavians uh, producing a module like this or a book like this is, is quite true, because mm -hmm. uh, sometimes uh, one, at least once or twice every year, we sit down and, and we have, have uh, some hot uh, mulled wine and, and we ask ourselves, why the hell are we living in this uh, country? <laughs> yeah. Who who decided it was a good idea to go here and stay here? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it can be cold. Uh, it can be extremely harsh during the winters. So, so why would anyone go to the Bitter Reach? Uh, and that, that's a very good... Um, it's a very good question, <laughs> and and it's uh, it's something that in my mind, uh, I I would think that most campaigns start with people who have uh, who start in the bitter reach. I'm not envisioning that people from the Ravenlands would would gladly go up to the bitter reach mm. uh, unless they have a, a very 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 strong campaign hook to do so. Yeah. It is it's not. It's not very nice up there. It can yeah. be very exciting and it can be uh, very, very um, warm in, in so much as you can find real friends up there. But it, it's not that, it's, it's kind of cold, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> but yes, so I've, 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 I'm not sure how much the, the, the tweaking has, has sort of mitigated that. Uh, yeah. But I do have some ideas of adding uh, some extra items or rules or, or things that that would give game masters the option of of uh, adding things that that would make it easier for example I, i've been toying with the ideas of uh, creating uh, 
not creating, but uh, writing up something about something that I call fireberries. In in uh, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of a cloudberry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love uh, a cloudberry jam. Ah yes. <laughs> uh, so why why wouldn't there be a, a magical cloudberry called a fireberry that you could eat and, and and withstand cold for a quarter day or something like yeah. that? Uh, few little things like that i'm thinking of of, of just writing and releasing uh, maybe through the f- free league or just putting up on the forums to just mm-hmm. just to give people the the tools to to mitigate if they feel that it's too harsh of course some people f- will enjoy it being harsh as well yeah, yeah. Um, does the bitter reach have um, i'm guessing it doesn't but um anything like uh midsummer so my my wife is Swedish and she talks about Swedish midsummers all the time, um, which is kind of the one reason why it's worthwhile living up in Scandinavia yeah. because the summer's so great when you get it. Yeah, no, uh, the, the, that's the that's the frustrating thing about the the bitter reach is that they don't, they don't have uh, midsummers, they don't have uh, New Year's, no. <laughs> they don't have summer solstice or winter solstice or anything because it's it's just it's, it's just cold and bitter all the time. Um, I was toying with the idea this Christmas of, of writing some something about midwinter uh, rituals, but I floundered because there's no midwinter. Yeah, it's, it's always winter. winter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I've got, a, I mean, I'm looking forward to just to say, um, talking about tools that help people survive. I, I read and I'm rereading your description now of the grease that uh, gives people mm-hmm. plus two on their insurance roll on their endurance insurance insurance yes exactly. <laughs> it's a very very different game now <laughs> i can do some grease for my insurance roll as well <laughs> i hope we remember this in the edit because at the moment this blubber comes from pipe whales uh and but you know a, a cache of that i can imagine mm-hmm. letting my players discover that and it being you know, they can either carry their gold home or they can carry this this barrel of grease home and they decide to go for the grease rather than the yeah. gold. That, um, that would be brilliant. That would yeah. be brilliant. But we'll we'll wait and see. Um, I think we're probably running out of time. Oh, we'll I'm sorry. I just want to say that uh, uh, shortly then, Niklas Brandt, who did the adventure sites, uh, him and I worked uh, a lot more closely uh, as he got... Uh, uh, written uh, descriptions of the adventure sites as well as for a couple of three or four of them he also got sketches from me and also a lot of images i pulled from the internet and, and put together into documents that he then uh, he then uh, f- transformed into these fabulous mm-hmm. uh, adventure site maps i i have to point out that uh, if if dave hasn't seen the 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 the, the, the ship that you you should show it to him because oh, the I, ship is is I, fabulous. I did have a quick glance at it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to glance <laughs> longer. <laughs> I saw where the numbers were and I wanted to read the text, but I didn't. Yeah. I did see there was a wolf in one of the rooms by it looked, but uh, no, 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 it could be a wolf. It could not be a wolf. <laughs> but yes, uh, he's just ruined it. Map. It's a beautiful picture, though. You're absolutely right. Oh, yes, it is. And that was something that uh, I asked for. I, I sent him floor plans and I said, well, maybe you could do this or you could do it 3D. And he's, he put it together in 3D. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was, I was blown away. So, yeah, looks, so he, he, he's yeah. done a really good job with us. I really like that. I, I like that ship uh, in, 
in itself but then mm. then that wonderful um cutaway it feels like something you'd see in a museum in you know the mary rose exhibit yeah. mm -hmm. um and uh really well done really well done um dave have you got any further questions for um magnus before we have to say i think the only, the, only, the only question i've got magnus is um what's next for you are you working on anything at the moment or any more plans for free league i will uh write a short adventure site adventure adventure site uh that was supposed to be for the swedish uh major con mm. uh, which was uh, supposed to be Goth in goth con, con yeah. uh, which is not the goth con it's the gothenberg con <laughs> yeah. um and uh but that was cancelled yeah. uh, so i'm putting that together and and we'll see where the free league uh, releases that yeah. and uh, uh I'm sort of laying low now, and and uh, when the book is is released, I'm um, um, I'm hoping to get to speak to Thomas and, and see if they want something else. Uh, and if I will probably return to the 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 bitter reach over the year, uh, just writing some some short things for myself um, because uh, it's it's something that uh, I think it's it's a fun little book. Mm -hmm. And I think that I, I have some uh, some more things to to write for that. And instead of writing it for for games that I I haven't participated in in creating, I could uh, add a few things. Uh, for example, uh, I'm, I might I've been looking into the free league workshop as well, mm -hmm. of course, yeah. um, just to see uh, uh, what happens. Uh, so I might be doing that, but I haven't got anything planned. I'm do, I've, I've done some some interviews for for Phoenix, the the Swedish role playing game magazine, oh, um, cool. but but uh, I haven't got anything planned. It was quite a it was quite a, a drain on on the energy to to finish the the writing uh, mm. for this. But um, it, it's 300 pages of, of quality as far as I can see. Oh, thank you. And uh, I, I, I did notice that they did cut a few um, uh, major things as well. Uh, <laughs> I'll, t I'll tell you when the mic is off. <laughs> and we definitely won't talk about it on the podcast. We enough. definitely oh, no, won't. No, 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 no. Our lips are sealed. <laughs> I, I, can, I can hint that, that, that there were some more information on uh, and mechanics on the last battle. Ah, right. Oh, yes. That's interesting. Don't say too much today. No, but he hasn't exactly. read. Uh, the last uh, thing. The end game, uh, the, as it were. The, uh, the end game. Let's call it yeah. the end game. There were yeah. some more things there, but that was very untested material. So I think mm. that they, they had to cut that because it didn't pan out, basically. Uh, yeah. And from what I've heard about what they're planning, I, I feel there may be some battle rules appearing in a later supplement. Oh, then you know more, but more than I, that. I, no, I don't know. I just guessed a bit because they were yeah. talking. Yeah, so it might. Yeah, it's it's guesswork on my part. But um, but yeah, I, I've um, I, I'm I, I I haven't been able to stop myself. So I've 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 had a, a notepad uh, next to me writing down what I would like to see in the Forbidden Lands Companion. Mm -hmm. Um, and um. Because there are there are a lot of other things that that some people might want to add. I know that uh, Matt K has added a few things by himself through mm. the Free League workshop. Mm. Uh, but I think there is this also place for some more monsters. There's some place for some more spells. There's there's a lot of things that can be added uh, that wouldn't need a huge book. 
So, Magnus, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Um, the same. Thank you again, yeah. Do come back to us if you, if you, uh, when you come out of hibernation. <laughs> <laughs> if there's another project, uh, not just for Free League, for anything else that you're working on that you want to share, we'd, be, we'd love to talk to you again. You're yeah, a great absolutely. interview guest. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here again. And uh, I want to congratulate you for your work on the Alien franchise <laughs> thank you thank you it's uh, it's a huge book and it, it's it's amazing that it's, it's done so well oh it's real pleasure to talk to magnus again he's such a um a, a lovely person to interview really easy to talk with and um, giving us lots of interesting information the one thing that really struck me which um please forgive me because it's not actually about the bitter reach um, was the fact that Magnus had the same uh, experience with Thomas, not knowing whether the stuff he produced for Free League was going to be used until he saw the document that it was in, which is exactly the, <laughs> exactly the same position I was in with Alien. And, um, and it, anyway, that's great. I mean, obviously, Thomas has got better things to do with his time than, uh, than, than pander to the insecurities of those people who are writing for him. But... Uh, I was pleased that it wasn't just me. <laughs> so that was quite nice. Yeah, you might think that, you know, that could just be a symptom of your inexperience in this, you know, but uh, an accomplished author like Magnus yes. who's done loads of work for loads of people still has the same issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I think then uh, you can feel you can feel good about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a real pleasure to talk to, isn't he? You can kind of just fire a question at him and then sit back and watch him talk. Yeah, um, yeah. Yes, no, it was good. good. And I'm obviously looking forward to seeing the, the final version of The Bitter Reach. I'm actually quite... I mean, I don't know where your campaign's going to go, Matt, but I'm quite interested in in uh, in adventuring in The in the Bitter Reach. I know we've got the whole of Ravenland still to cover, but... Um, well, the, the beauty of it is, actually, it does say you can do this if they've, if they've made these changes in Ravenland, then this is what is and if they haven't then you can have these guys from Ravenland having this influence on it. Yeah. So um so that's all really clear. Would you want to take your current characters there? Um or start a new campaign with new characters. I think I'd I'd quite like to take my current character there, but there's uh, th I'm not ready to leave the Forbidden Lands yet because we haven't done anything there really. Because we're good. Cause we're, well, maybe cause we're, maybe in this time of online gaming, we ought to seriously get a bit of a plug on with um, the Ravenlands campaign. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, and do that. Because um, as you know, he did point out that he thinks I think most people will start a new campaign there, or maybe have characters there that come south to the sunlit uplands mm -hmm. of the Forbidden Lands, uh, rather than the other way around. Um, and I can kind of see his point reading through it, but I can also see some really good, strong connections um, uh, for pretty much all your characters, yeah. actually. But quite a lot for you as well as Tengrel. Yes. Uh, which is why I kept looking at you sternly while you were saying how much of it you'd read. <laughs> I haven't read that much of it. I've, 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 looked at, good. I've looked at some of the pictures in the, uh, uh, um, in the GM part of it. But, um, and you did let a certain spoiler go, but I'll, did I? Uh, I won't mention it. Hopefully, nobody will see it. Okay, you'll have to tell me. Okay, what it was so after the show. Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I'm going to have uh, to go back and listen now and work it out. Um, cool. Uh, it's time for us to sign off. It is time. It's been a busy time. Yes. This will be a long show again. Uh, but uh, next time, we're going to have some more from the alien colony. Yep. We're going to try and tie Magnus down, strap him to a table, I think we said last time, and torture him until he gives us all the secrets of Freela Gans. Uh, Coming strategy. Matthias, you mean? What did I say? Magnus. Magnus. I didn't mean. Ma- no, let's not. Let's not tie Magnus down. He wouldn't appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, Matthias, though, he, he'd love that sort of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> we'll bring. We'll try and get that, but we're not making a promise yet. Yeah. Um, and if not, we'll fill the time with something else. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Brilliant. Good stuff. So until then. Yeah. It's goodbye for me. Uh, and it's goodbye for me. And may the icons keep you safe and well. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.